Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into the December Scavenger Hunt Review in today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. It has been a long time since we have had a scavenger hunt review, uh, and we are still waiting for July's uh, ep- episode because it, it's apparently a lot more difficult to uh, do a show with more than one person. I, which blows my mind that every single podcast that I listen to, uh, that I subscribe to, is more than one person, and most of them don't do that podcast for a living. Uh, so it, it's very strange to, to think the, that those people will have to find the time to record together so often. Uh, but, but uh, you know, it, it's, it's a process, and uh, we, will, we will get that out to you when the time arises. And it may be so far from now that we don't even remember the very episodes that uh, are the very, the very movies that we watched. But... That might make it all the more interesting. I don't know. We'll see. We'll figure it out uh, when we get to it and do what we can to make that work for you guys. Uh, so, but but that's neither here nor there. Today we are talking about December's scavenger hunt, which I have just finished. Uh, not maybe an hour and a half, two hours ago, I finished the last film. And uh, I will say that I definitely saved the best for last this month. And that was quite a treat. It was very rewarding to get that, have that happen. I was very pleased. But, uh, you know, let's jump into the superlatives uh, first and foremost, and uh, see see what those hold. So, if you don't remember <laughs> um, what the superlatives are, because it's been so long, they are essentially ten different categories uh, that aren't exactly, you know, they're not exactly awards. Uh, as as you might think of them at uh, like a critics group or like the Academy or, or the Golden Globes or anything like that. They're much more loose in, in their definition and understanding. Uh, so uh, the, the categories are biggest surprise, biggest disappointment, worst film, funniest film, most powerful film, most forgettable film, most entertaining film, best performance, best direction, and best scene. So... Yes, direction, scene, and performance uh, will definitely be things you might see at a typical award type thing. And like I even use those loosely in my Circle of Film Awards, but it's a much different situation. Never mind, let's ignore that comparison altogether. Uh, So, that's the order that they're going to be announced in as well. So, biggest surprise. Uh, So, this month we had 31 films. Only seven of them got positive ratings from me so that means a 60 or above and I would say that most of the ones above 60 at 60 and above I kind of expected to be up there the one that I was really uh trepidatious about and and concerned over when I especially when I went to watch it uh, and hit play is the winner of this category so the biggest surprise for me was the grapes of wrath and the reason it was such a surprise is not that I thought I wasn't gonna that I thought it was gonna be like a bad film. 
because, I, you know, I didn't really go into it thinking that. But I will say that at the beginning of this year, so back in January, I had not seen a single film directed by John Ford. Now, as we end this, this year, I've seen The Searchers, My Darling Clementine, How Green Was My Valley, The Quiet Man, How the West Was Won, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Uh, there's another one in here. What Price, Glory, and now The Grapes of Wrath. So I've now seen eight of his movies this year, which is a lot uh, for a director especially. Of course, he's directed over 100 movies, so, you know, just a drop in the bucket. But that being said, despite the, uh, you know, prestige that comes with a lot of the titles I just named, the only one I'd ever, I really liked was My Darling Clementine which remains my favorite John Ford film. But, so, so you know, I was, you know, I had a very lukewarm response to The Searchers, uh, you know, even The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, and, and just the fact that Ford works with John Wayne so often, I, I just never really enjoyed that. I don't enjoy John seeing John Wayne. I don't think he's that great of an actor. But Grapes of Wrath managed to avoid having John Wayne in the movie. It, you know, stars Henry Fonda, and... Man, he is quite a guy. He is a fantastic, fantastic actor. And so, Grapes of Wrath really surprised me, really surpassed my expectations, given the situation I was in when I watched it. Because I was pretty down on John Ford. Uh, you know, I <clears throat> I knew good things and had heard plenty of good things about the Grapes of Wrath, but I thought, oh, this is going to be a slow dredge. I was going to have a tough time getting through it even. But no, I, I was really hooked to this film. I, you know, loved Fonda. I thought he was fantastic as Tom Jode. And Jane Darwell as Ma Jode was awesome too. And I really got invested in these characters. And, you know, credit John Ford where it's due. You know, he does a great job directing this film too. So... Biggest surprise, grapes, the Grapes of Wrath, and uh, it's given me hope uh, as I continue to delve deeper and deeper into John Ford's filmography that I won't, uh, I won't find myself uh, uh, frustrated uh, with it as much as I, I have been in the past. Next up is Biggest Disappointment. So, given that only 7 of the 31 films got positive ratings... A solid uh, 17 of the films got negative ratings, so that's less than 50. So there are definitely there's a handful of films that got a 50 something, but the vast majority of this month was poorly rated. Uh, so that even on a even in the worst of months, you don't expect most like more than half of the movies to be bad. So there are a couple in here that I was like, oh, I hope this is good. Oh, this should be enjoyable. This should be entertaining. And, you know, even some of these negatively rated films were, at some to some degree, entertaining. You know, not entirely worthless and, and really, you know, bad, but like laughably bad in some cases. However, uh, the, the biggest disappointment for me this month was not just a film that I expected to like, uh, but a film that had a cast I enjoyed, uh, directed by someone who I had seen a film from earlier this year that I'd really liked, and a film that I'd heard a lot of good to great things about. 
and that's High Rise. High Rise is a 2015 film directed by Ben Wheatley, starring Tom Hiddleston, Sienna Miller, Jeremy Irons, Luke Evans, Elizabeth Moss, and I gave this film a 27. That's almost into the awful range. Uh, there's only six films that I rated lower than that this uh, this month, and I was just very, very let down. It seemed style over substance entirely. Uh, I could not get invested in it. I didn't care about any of the characters. I didn't understand what was happening half of the time. It felt like it felt like if there was a message or an or a meaning behind what was happening that Ben Wheatley either didn't know how to explain it to us or was trying to beat us over the head with it and it still wasn't connecting and that's not how your film should feel at any point especially when it's some film like High Rise which is just way over the top and you know it's it's at times it's just too obvious at other times it's too uh uh, too indis- uh, too discreet, and it just can't really figure itself out. It looks pretty, uh, which is which accounts for the majority of the 27 points it's rated, but that's not enough to be a good movie, and I was severely let down uh, after having seen... Um, what's the other movie he... What's the movie he directed? Uh, the, the Free Fire. I really liked Free Fire, but I did not like High Rise. So that's my biggest disappointment of this month. High Rise. Worst film. Now, I don't... I don't know. I usually don't like to reward or, or single out bad attributes. Um, at least not like this explicitly bad attribute. But I do think it is nice to... I mean, when you're comparing a small selection of films that generally don't have anything to do with each other... I think it's good to kind of. I don't. I think it's okay to be to to set this standard in a way, and as it should be. You know, I've I've recently gone through the previous winners of this award, looking at previous previous scavenger hunts like Term Life got a one, Porky's got a one, Varsity Blues got a two, Try Seventeen got a three, She's the One got a four. Uh. And and that's um, you know that's a pretty, pretty significant group of films because like most of those are are teen films to some degree. This is not really. Uh, it's it's so it's a 1975 film called Girl from Starship Venus. I rated it an eight. It is the lowest rated film of the month, and is the second highest rated film that is the worst film of a month so uh what that means is the only there's only been one other month there's only one month of scavenger hunt movies that i've seen where the worst film is better than this one so that's not bad as as far as the months go there have been months with many worse films girl from starship venus is far and away not the worst film i've ever seen uh, it takes place in 2069, of course. It's a, a space exploration film uh, about a young Venusian girl that lands on Earth to explore sex on Earth. It's about as deep as you'd expect it to be, and I don't hate it. 
you know, it, it just it's just it's Grindhouse, and I'm not really a big fan of Grindhouse film. And I, I don't, you know, I don't begrudge it. I'm sure, you know, some people would say you just haven't seen the right Grindhouse films. That could be. That could totally be, but like this is one of Tarantino's top 20. So I would have thought that there'd be something here for me, and there just really wasn't. I was just very bored. And, you know, I, as much as I like naked bodies, like this, I, if they're in a movie, I want the naked bodies to have purpose, and this doesn't. It has no purpose. It has no purpose at all. Um, so, you know, the girl from girl from Starship Venus, I got an eight. So worst film, definitely worst film. All right, funniest film. Let's get out of the bad stuff and move on to the good stuff. Funniest film. So a couple of funny films this month. Uh, Fierce Creatures, not a good film, but has its moments. It's it's decently funny. Uh, you can't take it with you. Best Picture winner, uh, Frank Capra is is also quite funny, but. But that didn't that didn't win it either. Um, let's see what else we got. Splash was fine, but that didn't win it. Uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so so the actual winner. Those are the only really other options uh, I want to divulge. But the real winner, funniest film, is Charlie Chaplin's The Gold Rush. Now I'm a big fan of Chaplin. Uh, he's currently my favorite. Uh, of the trio of, of Chaplin, Keaton, and Lloyd. But, you know, that's that's a situation that's constantly shifting with, like, every new movie. This is my least favorite Chaplin film, uh, which does not mean that it is bad. It is one of the positively rated films of this, of, uh, this month. Uh, but The Gold Rush, while a, maybe a substandard Chaplin film, is still incredibly funny. Uh, the the just the physical humor and the way he conducts himself is truly fantastic. There's one scene, probably my favorite scene in the movie. He's dancing uh, with the main female in the movie, <laughs> and he's like leaning up against a, um, a a table, and he grabs a cord to tie his pants up with, and as he resumes dancing. It turns out that the cord is actually attached to a dog and is a leash. And so you watch for like two or three minutes as he and his partner dance around with this dog following behind them and, and just eventually laying down as they continue to dance in a circle around. It's it's beautiful and magical and I love it and it's hilarious. And that's probably my favorite moment, the one I remember the most from that the movie. But it's it's a very funny film that... You know, Chaplin is is in. You know, he's never bad. He is never bad, and I, I think it's really funny. So, funniest film, The Gold Rush, Charlie Chaplin. Next is most powerful film. Now, I think I've said something to this effect before, but there are some months where this is very obvious and very easy. This is not one of those months, and it's tough because up until today. I had expected this category to go to The Last Jedi. And The Last Jedi isn't really the most, isn't really a very powerful film. Uh, my explanation for why I picked it was going to be along the lines of, you know, 
due to the backlash and you know the div- uh, how divisive the film's response has been by fans, that was something that made me really rethink think over this movie and is a reason why I've spent so much time dwelling on the different aspects of it. Thankfully, I was kind of bailed out at the last second by a film that I think is more powerful than The Last Jedi, which is Possession. Possession is a fantastic film, also one of the few films rated positively this month, and the message it sends about breaking up with somebody Uh, And and what's more, divorcing somebody and struggling to come to terms with the breakup and trying to figure out where to go next and also not being able to control yourself from dwelling on what's just happened and what transpired and what you've lost, it's, it's so poignant and so absolutely frustrating. Uh, You know, it's, it's done in a very horrific style, you know, I, I, it's a horror movie, as well as a drama, with some fantastic performances, and you watch it, and man, it, it just, it gets right under your skin, and, you know, I think everybody, in some sense, has dealt with a breakup, either whether they were the ones that initiated it or received it, whether it was a romantic relationship or a friendship or something of that to that effect, you know what that feels like. It doesn't feel good, usually. You know, sometimes it can. You know, sometimes it's a relief. But for the most part, it's painful and tough and it's difficult to move beyond. And even after you've told yourself you're over that breakup, you still dwell on it. You still go back to it. You think about like, well, what if, what if I'd done something different? Why didn't I see the signs before? And possession just, man, it, it is like a bucket of ice cold water on your face when you're asleep. It, it shocks the fucking daylights out of you and it does not apologize for it whatsoever. It gets progressively more and more disturbing, more and more horrific more and more terrifying as the film goes on. Um, one of the scariest, sort of om- most ominous endings of a film ever. And I was just, uh, I was engrossed by this one. And it's so powerful in what it's saying because it does it in such a visceral and, and effective way. Most powerful film, Possession, hands down. On the other hand, most forgettable film. A lot of options here. Uh, as opposed to powerful film, where it was kind of uh, grasping at straws. Forgettable film, endless. Endless amount of options. And mostly it's just going through, all looking through the posters, looking through the names of the films, and determining which one I remember the least. And this month... That goes to a film that I think a lot of people generally like. It's got a 3.4 on on Letterboxd, so that's pretty favorable. But for me, the most forgettable film this month is Ronin. Uh, Ronin is from 1998, directed by John Frankenheimer, starring Robert De Niro, Jean Renault, Sean Bean, and Stellan Skarsgård, among others. And, you know, I'm, I'm not looking at the synopsis. All I see is the poster. 
I really couldn't tell you what this movie's about. There's like a briefcase and there's people fighting over it. That might even be what it's about, but I, I just, I really don't remember anything about it. It was very forgettable, very unmemorable. I gave it a 40. So, you know, it wasn't the most terrible movie ever by any stretch. You know, it's in the middle of the pack from the month, this month, but it just, it left no mark on me. And I imagine that in a month's time, I'll have forgotten I've ever seen it. That's not entirely true, but like, relatively speaking, I'll have forgotten I've ever seen it. So most forgettable film is Ronin. Most entertaining film. So sometimes this lines up with funniest film, not this month, but this uh, particular category belongs to a film that uh, served to hold my attention the best, I guess you would say, uh, for better or worse in times. Uh, generally for better, as I try to skew this one towards um, positive response. And for me, that film is Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. Pretty straightforward. You know, it's really only a contest between that and Possession for most entertaining. And while Possession, I think, is not only a better film but a more, as I've said before, a more powerful one. Last Jedi is far more entertaining uh, because it just, it's its the biggest movie of the year, almost. It's, it's like a day or two away from being the biggest movie of the year. It is filled with things that we've never seen in a Star Wars movie before. It is, you know, Ryan Johnson does and takes the franchise in directions that I've wanted them to be taken in for a long time. Uh, I'm sure you've listened to my review on the film, the statistics episode on the film. You know, I've said a lot about Star Wars. I don't need to say that much more about it. But I just, it's its incredibly entertaining. I can't wait to go see it again. I'm going to go see it on Sunday, New Year's Eve. I'm really excited. I'm going to go see it again next Sunday, both times in IMAX. And it's going to be a blast and that's it's entertaining it's really really entertaining so next up we have the three categories that are the most like an awards show so best performance uh 31 films to choose from could literally pick anybody in any of these films in any kind of role big or small but for me it is hands down isabel ajani i hope i'm pronouncing that right she is the lead, uh, the female lead in Possession. And she gives a dual role performance playing two different characters in the film. That is part Scream Queen, part um, just, just psychological horror, part um, like part Shelley, du uh, uh, Shelley Duvall in The Shining. Um it's it's oh my god it just it's all these different things and they are she is sort of at the center of this entire film now most of the film is actually shot from sam neill's perspective i believe in my opinion and i think we're supposed to be watching and, and experiencing the film from his point of view but Due to that, you know, Isabella Johnny is the object of the film. She is the center of the film. She is the thing that ties everything else together. 
all the characters and all the relationships are united through this through the character that she played the well the principal character that she plays so it's there's i i mean i I could say i don't i'm gonna talk about i'm gonna keep talking about this film like it's gonna come up again at least two more times and i i'm really i don't get too bogged down in the in the nitty-gritty in at this time but let me just but to leave it at this there's a moment and there's a scene that is pretty much uh, a Johnny screaming and writhing in pain, and that's about all the scene is. Uh, there's some other special, there's some other like kind of uh, practical effects going on, but that's principally what she has to do, and it is you, you can't take your eyes off it. It's so m- magical and mystifying and and it's it's impossible to 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 forget you know i still i close my eyes and i can see her in that scene it's it's awful in the in a good way but like it's awful so definitely isabella johnny my favorite performance the best performance this month in possession The penultimate superlative is best direction. Uh, this was a this was a tough one. I you know Frank Capra, you can't take it with you, is is great. His direction is very good there. You know I considered John Ford for Grapes of Wrath. His direction is quite good as well. Um, or or Carol Reed for The Third Man. You know The Third Man is fantastic, and Carol Reed does such a great job with that film. Uh, and then you've got uh, Andrej. Oh, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Zulowski from Possession. You know, all of these these directors have done a fantastic job with their films, and it was really difficult to to pick the winner. And for the you know up until again today, it was going to be Carol Reed for the Third Man. But at the last second, Andrzej Zulowski, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong for possession is the best direct has the best direction this month you you get he does this fantastic editing decision where it's it's not exactly you know editing scenes out of order but it's it's like repositioning people in scenes in sequentially that make that like kind of they're just unsettling you know you know that this character was much further down the street and then they cut to the cut to another shot and they're in a spot that you know they couldn't logically be in, but this the moment passes so by so quickly, and it just it's unsettling. And the camera angles, the way that he positions people in the framing is 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 deliberate and interesting and and obvious in a way that doesn't seem like he's beating you over the head with it. You know, it's very clever and quality filmmaking from someone who knows exactly what they need exactly what they want to do and exactly how to achieve that thing and so Zulowski manages to turn a movie that starts out for about 40-45 minutes as just kind of like a relationship drama and seamlessly turn it into a horror thriller by the very end of it that's part like sci-fi part uh, like invasion of the body snatchers it, it's it's wild it's absolutely wild and yet it 
under his deft touch, it feels like a natural progression from start to finish. And it's all so wonderfully crafted and and brilliant in that sense. So best direction for me comes from possession uh, from Andrzej Andrzej Zolowski. And finally, the last superlative is best scene. Uh, this one, you know, like I, I was thinking for a while it was going to be the dog scene in the gold rush, which is a great scene. Uh, there's some good scenes in hard boiled. Um, and there's, there's some great scenes from the last Jedi, but what it really came down to, and I boiled it down to a very small moment, you know, there's, you can point to the last Jedi with, um, the Holdo maneuver, that's fantastic, the lightsaber, uh, battle, that's great, and, and, like, Luke at the end, that was great too, but, None of those moments, and I promise you, Holdo Maneuver comes very, very close. None of those moments have the same effect on me as the one that actually wins. And it's from the third man. And it's the um, it's the Harry Lime reveal. So Harry Lime is the, act, is the character played by Orson Welles. If you haven't seen the movie, just you should go see the movie. It's a very good movie. I'm not going to spoil what I... I hope I'm not... It's like describing the scene in any more than I've already said is probably a spoiler for the movie and will ruin some of the impact. But basically, the reveal over the truth of his... of Harry Lyme, the character uh, played by Orson Welles, the the reveal of uh, what's really happened to him is one of the most engaging shots ever. And... You have to see it to really get the full impact. If you have seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And uh, it's a a doozy. It's a doozy. So, those are the ten scavenger hunt superlatives. We have three wins for Possession. And then a win apiece for Grapes of Wrath, High Rise, Girl from Starship Venus, Gold Rush, Ronin, The Last Jedi, and The Third Man. But now... We move on to the second stage of the episode, which will be the top 10 films from this month. We've heard some of them already, but there are a couple that uh, haven't come up yet that will be on this list. And let's just uh, jump in and see what they are. Here we go. Number 10, which is actually the first film that I watched for this month's hunt uh, and the shortest film on the list uh, clocking at just seven minutes is The Insects Christmas this is a 1913 film directed by Vladislaw Starovitz that is stop motion animated film where a father Christmas tree ornament climbs down off of his tree goes out into the forest, creates and decorates a Christmas tree for the forest creatures, and they react. It's it's pretty straightforward. It's very simple, but it's very enjoyable. It's it's really exciting and fun. 
uh, not only to not only to kind of experience like what people in the 1910s would have like enjoyed watching you know it's it's interesting to see you know when you look at old movies like this like this is what passed for entertainment back then like what but it really it's it's kind of simply and very straightforwardly effective in what it does and you know every time i see something like this it always makes me kind of nostalgic for for our own current cinema to go back to that for a brief period just to have one film do it just to like kind of capture that innocence that that lack of uh complexity or or perceived complexity it's it's very simple and it's very elegant for what it is the insects christmas i believe it's on youtube or vimeo and uh, it's a good watch it's a good watch number nine is uh, I give the Insects Christmas, sorry, I give the Insects Christmas a 56 out of 100. Number 9 is The Fabulous Baker Boys. This is a film that, firstly, I struggled to acquire to be able to watch. Uh, this satisfied the criteria of a film which takes place on New Year's Eve. Is from 1989, directed by Steve Clove, starring Jeff Bridges, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Bow Bridges, and uh, the Bridge Br- Bridges brothers are the fabulous Baker boys who play brothers. They are professional musicians, and at one at some point they uh, they hire Michelle Pfeiffer to sing with them. Uh, as and uh, trouble ensues, conflicts occur as relationships uh, develop and throw wrenches into the perceived future of the fabulous Baker boys. But it's it's not a good movie. I think Michelle Pfeiffer gives a fantastic performance in this. Uh, and But for me, Bo Bridges really drags the movie down. I don't like Bo Bridges. I think he's kind of a putz. Uh, you know, he, he, he's very schlubby and, and not in an enjoyable or, or interesting way. So I kind of went into this movie with that, like expecting to not enjoy his element of it. And then, you know, I I don't know if that's kind of playing into the um, prophecy almost, but I didn't like his performance of it. I thought Jeff Bridges and Michelle Pfeiffer did a good job. And then the music is, is largely enjoyable, but the film doesn't quite excel as much as I wish it had. So, The Fabulous Baker Boys would have 58 or number 9. Number 8 on this list is a, a very old film, almost as old as the, Christmas, uh, the Insects Christmas, and that is from 1927, uh, Seventh Heaven, directed by Frank Borzage. Borzage? Uh, starring Janet Gaynor and Charles Farrell, among others. Janet Gaynor, uh, Best Actress winner, satisfying the category, uh, which is a film that won Oscar, won the Oscar for Best Lead Actress. One of the very, one of the very small number uh, that I haven't seen. In fact, there's only two more that I need to see, if I'm not mistaken. Gaynor gives a very good performance in this. Uh, it is a silent film that. Uh, 
I don't know. It, it's it's a fine film. I gave it a 59. So I don't think it's good. I think it's quite okay. And it's it's just very, very fair. Uh, I, I wanted it... I don't know. It, it's It's a very long film. And it feels like it's not as tightly written as it really should have been. The movie definitely takes a turn in the third act, and I wasn't on board for that. I thought it was a little missed the mark, kind of. So, I don't know. Gaynor's performance definitely uh, serves to hold your interest and keep things uh, on, on track, but it felt like every other aspect of the film, by the end of it, was working against her which is not the way you want your film to be. But 59 is still not a bad score, and uh, it's number eight this month. Number seven, the as we jump into the actually good-rated films, is Hard Boiled, rated 60, uh, or three stars, from 1992, directed by John Woo, satisfying the criteria of a film produced in Hong Kong directed by John Woo. Star- starring Chow Yun-Fat, Tony Leung, Anthony Wong, and Teresa Mo, among others. Uh, it's, you know, it's a cop movie, a revenge cop movie about Chow Yun-Fat, whose partner is uh, killed uh, in a shootout with gun smugglers, and the rest of the film is about him trying to exact revenge on them. There's a lot of great action in this. John Woo really uh, outdoing himself early on in his career. It's not as astounding as I kind of wa- thought it was going to be. Maybe my expectations were a little high. I mean, this was 25 years ago at this point. But for me, I was expecting it to be more exciting. There's definitely some good stuff in here. You know, I can't deny that. It's It's... Some high octane, really exciting things, but on the whole, it, it kind of pales in comparison to a lot of the more recent action movies. You know, especially like I compare this to like a John Wick, and it's just not even a contest for me. So that really hurts it as far as like my impression of the movie. It's also very long, and it's tough for an action movie to succeed when it's over two hours long, and, uh, this one didn't always succeed. It succeeds more often than it fails, uh, hence getting a 60 and not like a 40. But it was still not, I don't know, it's, it's still, it's, it, it was, it's flawed. It's flawed. Uh, but if you ask a lot of other people on Letterboxd, they would tell you that it's pretty fantastic because it has an average rating of a 4. So I'm odd person out here. But... I will accept that and wear that badge of honor. Hard-boiled, rated as 60, number 7. Moving up to number 6, we have Charlie Chaplin's The Gold Rush, rated a 66. Uh, The Gold Rush was task number 30, watch an X-Mess movie or an X-Men movie. Chose X-Mess. This is from 1925, starring Charlie Chaplin and Georgia Hale. Um, as I mentioned, it is very, very funny. 
It is quite funny and uh, features Chaplin's trademark humor, his visual and vaudeville gags. And uh, it's broken down into three pretty distinct parts. I thought the first two parts were significantly more enjoyable than the third part, which is kind of why the score kind of dropped a bit for me, uh, especially as compared to many of Chaplin's other films. But on the whole, still an enjoyable movie. Chaplin is still one of the best we've ever had, and he is able to wow us with consistently enjoyable gags and uh, physical humor, as always. I really enjoyed this movie, and uh, I recommend it. And other all of all of Chaplin's stuff, really. So that's number six, Gold Rush, a '66. Number five, uh, jumping, taking a big jump up from the Gold Rush to the Grapes of Wrath, uh, rated '79. So a 13-point gap between Grapes of Wrath and Gold Rush. And we really do have a separation between the top five and bottom five because uh, these top top five are pretty great movies, uh, if not fantastic movies. The Grapes of Wrath, as I've already mentioned, is a John Ford film from 1940 starring Henry Fonda, Jane Darwell, John Carradine, Charlie Grapewin, and Doris Bowden, among others. Uh, as I said, biggest surprise, I went in expecting it to be boring and drab, and it was very exciting and very enjoyable and held my attention the whole way through. It's a little over two hours long. It can be slow, but it is deliberate. And it succeeds despite its slowness, I guess. I don't know. Fonda in the lead role is great. He, he really pulls everything together. He is a strong, strong anchor uh, at the center of this film, and it really wouldn't work without him. You know, he's, you know, he has to be so much more blue collar, uh, which is, I think, a tough role for a lot of, a lot of big name stars to do, especially in this era. You know, you couldn't, I couldn't picture a James Stewart. I couldn't picture a Cary Grant doing the same thing. They just, it's not in their wheelhouse, but Henry Fonda makes it look easy. And uh, you you watch the film, I watched the film for him. He was the one keeping me invested in this film. Uh, He and and Jane Darwell playing Ma Jode. They're fantastic and fantastic together. I I greatly surprised and and happy to report that I am not off the John Ford uh, train just yet thanks to this one. So that's number five, The Grapes of Wrath with a 79. Number four, satisfying task number 25, which is a film you predict is going to get nominated for an Oscar in 2018. I think it's very likely that Star Wars The Last Jedi is nominated for an Oscar in 2018. Perhaps visual effects, maybe sound editing or mixing, uh, depending on which which category is weak. Um... Yeah, I, I think it's fantastic. I think it's better than The Force Awakens. I do think that it's kind of uh, audience backlash is going to hurt it come Oscar time, but I hope that's not the case. I give it an 88, which is four stars, quite high. Uh, it is directed by Ryan Johnson, starring 
The Old People, plus Adam Driver, Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, Oscar Isaac, Andy Serkis, Donald Gleason, Kelly Marie Tran, Laura Dern, Benicio Del Toro, Anthony Daniels, Gwendolyn Christie, Lupita Nyong'o, Peter Mayhew, Frank Oz, you know, take your pick, it's a, it's, it's a whole everybody, so, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I've talked a lot about this movie already, but just to kind of add to that, I'm re- I am really excited to go see this again. I have, since I first saw the movie, my opinion has only gotten more positive as I have tried to, as I've tried to combat various criticisms and tried to undermine various uh, praises, uh, various elements of praise left upon and hefted upon this film. And more often than not, I find myself rediscovering and re-remembering things about the film that I, I forgotten that I, I really enjoyed different takes and different uh, angles to look at a, uh, an element of this movie that just add to the consistently deeper and deeper layers that the the film provides and uh, hopeful hopefully I rewatch it and I kind of have that those opinions bolstered uh, but I suppose that there's just as much chance that I, I find the film uh, that I kind of sympathize more with the detractors. So I'm excited to see this again and then as well uh, review it again for the show and see if anything changes, see if uh, see if it is the best Star Wars movie of all time. I don't think it is. I still think it's Empire. But this is definitely up there, and uh, far more so than The Force Awakens contends with the original trilogy uh, for one of the best Star Wars movies ever made, in my opinion. Moving on, uh, Star Wars gets an 88, also with an 88, but with a higher tiebreaker, is task number five, which was watch a Jimmy Stewart movie that's not It's a Wonderful Life or any of his collaborations with Hitchcock. Uh, and I chose You Can't Take It With You, directed by Frank Capra, Best Picture winner, starring Gene Arthur, Lionel Barrymore, Jamie Stewart, Edward Arnold, Misha Auer, Ann Miller, and Spring Byington, among others. Uh, 1938's Best Picture winner, you know, one of the ones, one of the few that I hadn't seen, and surprisingly good. Uh, you know, I like Frank Capra quite a bit. You know, he did... It's a Wonderful Life, It Happened One Night, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Mr. Deeds Goes to Town. He's five for five for me in my book. I think he's made some fantastic films. I'm excited to keep diving deeper and deeper into his filmography. I think this film is a little bit lighter than some of his other works. You know, it's mostly just family politics, and that's fine in and of itself, but I don't think it stretches and, and reaches as deep as most of his other films try to do. And... It's just, it's a fun film. It's just really upbeat, very high energy, very high octane. Doesn't give you a chance to, you know, sit back and like sigh and depress yourself because there's no slow moments at all. It's just funny. It's it's enjoyable and it won't, you know, it's a little over two hours, which might feel a little long, but it, it breezes by. It's such a light, airy film, and I think most people, more often than not, enjoy the sort of uh, 
it, I don't know, it kind of it has that spontane, uh, spontaneity to it that uh, Frank Capra so beautifully captures in, in you know, with Mr. Deeds and, and Mr. Smith. And uh, I'm very pleased. I'm very happy with, with what he's been putting out back in the day. That's So that's You Can't Take It With You, also rated an 88, number three overall. So we move into the top two films, both rated in the 90s. Uh, the first one is rated a 92, and that is winner of best scene, The Third Man. It's a 92 for The Third Man. Uh, this satisfies task number three, a film remade by Greg and Earl in Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Uh, I believe they renamed it The Turd Man, which is very funny. Uh, the Third Man, directed by Carol Reed, uh, who has also directed Best Picture winner Oliver, as well as Odd Man Out, The Fallen Idol, Night Train to Munich, and Our Man in Havana. Of those, I've only seen Oliver. This is far better than Oliver. Starring Joseph Cotton, Alida Valley, and Orson Welles, among others. Uh, it's, uh, it, it follows... Joseph Cotton, as he arrives in uh, Vienna to uh, to be a guest of his his childhood friend Harry Lime, who he learns has died shortly before his arrival, and is now in the mood is now searching to discover what really happened. It's it's a very interesting movie. The suspense and mystery aspect are beautifully, beautifully done, beautifully constructed, and uh, it, it really draws you in. It's it's only an hour and forty some minutes, so it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't drag. It doesn't push revelations to like the two hour mark and and make you kind of wait for the big reveals. The big reveals come fairly early, relatively speaking, and uh, they are pretty big there are some fantastic scenes there's a scene on uh, i believe it's a ferris wheel that i found particularly moving and incredibly enticing uh between the two characters on that in that scene and it's it's directed really well too carol reed knows how to create a noir mystery and that's pretty much exactly what this is you know it's about as noir as it gets. Uh, what's more, you know, Joseph Cotton uh, playing Holly Martins isn't a detective. He's a writer. So there's that extra element that, you know, this isn't really his day job. He is a, just a writer, you know. he you Now he writes, you know, kind of mystery types of stories, but he is still... Um, you know, he's still just uh, just kind of an average guy. And so that adds an extra wrinkle to this film that, you know, would otherwise seem uh, fairly uh, generic. And I like it. I liked it all. It's a great film, fantastic film, highly recommended. Number two, The Third Man with a 92. And number one from this month, Top Film. From December's 2017 Scavenger Hunt is also the last film that I watched for the Scavenger Hunt. And I've talked about it quite a bit already, and that is Andrzej Zulowski's Possession. 
most powerful film of the month, best performance from Isabel Adjani. It satisfied the task, I believe, of number 21, a movie with a minimalist poster. Uh, the poster is the backside of Isabel Adjani, uh, surrounded by darkness and uh, sort of a heart-shaped curve into the crack of her butt and a bluish glow around her head with bluish glowing spikes uh, stretching out to the left and the right with the title Possession in interesting font at the bottom. Beautiful poster. Absolutely gorgeous poster. And beautiful film. Uh, ugly film in a beautiful way as well. It, it's it's a very hard film to watch. I, I think if you're not a horror fan or, you know, a, a cinephile in some sense, it might be difficult to get through as a uh, Sometimes the acting feels a bit over the top. Uh, there's a lot of screaming, a lot of screaming. And when the big sort of horror twist comes along, it'll either, you know, make you love the movie even more, or you will, um, you'll be lost. I don't know. I really loved it. I dug everything that was happening. It just pulled me in deeper and deeper with every new wrinkle it added to the movie. From uh, the dual roles played by Ajani to Sam Neill to Heinz Bennett to Margaret Karstensen, all of them I really, really liked. Uh, you know, even, I don't know, even like Sean Lawton's character, you know, I liked. And, you know, the fact, like the son, you know, Michael Hogben, who plays Bob, like poor Bob. He is so forgotten in this movie uh, as his parents deal with divorce and breakup. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's a movie about evil and infidelity and madness and murder, as the tagline explicitly states. And it succeeds at revealing all of those things in just two hours. Uh, and then some. So my favorite movie of this month, Possession, uh, it, along with The Third Man, both find their way into my top 300 movies of all time. Pretty big, uh, pretty big, pretty big month for me, actually. I was, you know, on the whole, like, this is not a very good month because three of the top 10 movies aren't even rated quote unquote good. But at the very, very top, from Possession, The Third Man, You Can't Take With You, Last Giant, Grapes of Wrath, those are some fantastic films. And uh, I'm glad I got to see some of them. You know, particularly The Third Man, which wasn't exactly on my radar. And, you know, that one... And Possession was one that it was definitely on my radar, but I hadn't gotten around to seeing. And I'm glad, I'm really glad I finally watched it because it was, it was an experience. So... Those are the top 10 movies from this month, and that is your Scavenger Hunt review. Thank you so much for joining me in today's episode. Uh, we managed to get this one in about in just an hour, which is uh, pretty impressive. Usually the Scavenger Hunt uh, episodes run into the one and a half to two hour length, but moved this one along pretty quickly. Uh, so I guess you're either welcome or I'm sorry.
uh, depending on how you feel. Uh, and uh, as far as that goes, uh, I want to thank you so much for listening. And if you would like to check out how this how the superlative winners for this month stack up against the rest of the superlative winners in previous months, you can head over to circleoffilm.com, click on the scavenger hunt superlatives t- uh, page and tap. You can find all that stuff uh, laid out for you. I've updated it so it is now current, including December 17's uh, films for each category. Uh, you can find plenty of other information at the circleoffilm.com website, including the Circle of Film Awards, uh, all the episodes that have ever been released, and much, much more information. If you'd like to get in contact with me, you can do that one of two ways. You can either send me an email, circleoffilm at gmail.com, or you can uh, find me on Twitter, at circleoffilm. I'm happy to respond to any and all things, uh, be they movie recommendations, uh, criticisms and praises of said podcast or uh, I am always 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 uh, on the lookout and willing to accept top any number lists uh, from any and everybody Uh, I have uh, talked about James and Zach from the Cinderella's podcast I have their top 300s compiled on a spreadsheet and I am happy to add as many other people as are willing to provide me with their movies uh, to that list. And uh, if you want to, f- and if you follow me uh, on Twitter, most of what I tweet, about half of what I tweet, are just posts explaining what I'm watching and various statistics and thoughts therein. Uh, also, you will get a tweet every time an episode goes live. You will get other tweets about my thoughts and views of things and finally if you would like to support the show uh by doing more than just saying you like it or by doing more than just listening to it which are both fantastic ways to support the show don't get me wrong but if you want to do a little bit more go above uh, above and beyond you can also head over to patreon.com slash circle of film and uh check out the various opportunities therein to spend money and receive additional rewards on top of the free podcast that you currently listen to that releases itself three times a week uh special uh six times a week this week very special thank you so much if you do any of those things or none of those things as long as you're listening that that means everything to me and i will be back tomorrow with an episode to be determined before then Thank you so much for listening, and as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same night. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be the same night. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute.